You're listening to Main Character Energy, a podcast that'll teach you how to become that bitch. Main Character Energy gives you a behind the scenes look at how some of the world's most impactful disruptors, innovators, and creatives came from the bottom and embodied what it means to make it in all forms. Now, let's get into the show. So in 2024, I'm really leaning into the new hot girl platform, LinkedIn. Now, over the past year, I've seen a lot of different creators that I know and business owners really get in their LinkedIn bag. Like we have some earlier episodes of the show with Brandon Smithrick and Chris G. They've been channeling it for a while and have seen crazy success out of it. They are what I would call LinkedIn influencers through and through. And they crack the code on LinkedIn. I definitely recommend you check out those earlier episodes for tangible tips on growing your brand over there. Brandon talks a lot about getting started with content creation and his process. And Chris talks a lot about using AI to help him with his process. The fact of the matter is LinkedIn is the platform to be on for brands and creators. This was a takeaway also from last week's Creator Economy NYC event. They had great speakers from Notion and Passion Fruit, and they were just dropping gems. One thing that was mentioned was that LinkedIn has this sort of like algorithm that you can actually get through. And I know I'm constantly saying fuck the algorithm, but you know, at the end of the day, we're working so hard on our content and we want it to be seen. And so basically LinkedIn it's at a point where the visibility is there. You can actually reach your target audience, your content's being seen. People engage so differently on this platform too. I feel like it's like less taboo to interact with things. Another thing that you are seeing is that you can actually shoot your shot on LinkedIn and see the results. So we heard brands say this directly that, you know, everybody who is running the campaigns, I mean, they are looking for creators as much as you're looking to be seen. And somebody on the panel said, like, you could post, hey, I need a sponsor for my podcast. And I think they said that they've seen posts like that and have been like, you know, talking to creators in their DMs a minute later. And it's just that easy to attract what you want because the business is there, right? So when you think about it, LinkedIn has a lot of business professionals, founders, executives, senior leadership, or even middle managers who don't identify as creators in the same way that a TikToker would. And so, but, you know, at the end of the day, they have the same goals, right? Like they want the visibility. They might be trying to ramp up their thought leadership and get more attention for job opportunities, collaboration opportunities. But again, they're not thinking of themselves as a creator in that way and probably wouldn't call themselves one. So LinkedIn basically changed their name from the LinkedIn Creators Program to LinkedIn's Guide to Creating. And under that program, they were offering tools like the newsletter, like you can build your own newsletter on LinkedIn. You could do LinkedIn live events or LinkedIn audio events. But ultimately, they actually decided to open these features up to everybody on the platform as of late to further show that literally anybody can create. But let me tell you, I'm having a good, unserious time on LinkedIn. I think I worked through a block because originally we know LinkedIn, it's a place where you would see people get on there and say, I am so excited to have gotten this new opportunity. And 
I am just so honored to have received this award. And it was so buttoned up. It was so stuffy. But I found an approach that kind of broke the ice. So even this morning, I'm repurposing an old Instagram reel with a Meg the Stallion audio, of course, talking about bad bitches with anxiety to just open up the conversation about mental health. And I'm talking in the way that I normally would. I'm talking in a way that I would tweet or speak to a friend or post on my IG stories. And I think it's changed the whole dynamic. I'm seeing a lot of creators kind of take that approach where you're starting to see more tweet-like content on LinkedIn. You're starting to see more memes and videos that you would normally see on TikTok are popping up on LinkedIn. And it's definitely breaking that ice, making it a little bit more of a place that is less stuffy, less buttoned up. The reason why I'm putting more energy into the platform is because there's so many opportunities there. So to put it real simply, the decision makers are on the app. The people that sign the checks are on the app. So if your goal is to monetize your content through sponsorships, or if you're trying to attract investors, or you're trying to get in front of a certain group and certain companies, clearly you can see that so easily on this platform. So it just depends who your audience is and what your goals are. Another goal of mine was to be recognized as a leading voice in my industry. So I wanted to be a leading voice in the creator economy specifically. My creative PR studio, Brand Curators, does creator management. We really love pushing forth diverse creators, especially Black creators and women of color. And it's our mission to advocate for their representation and advocate for equity in the creator economy. And it's something that I can speak to so easily. So having visibility in that space for me and sharing my original ideas on that topic would inevitably bring awareness to our mission. And I finally obtained my badge in creator economy as a top voice. So I wanted to break down how I did that. Let's talk about LinkedIn badges. You might have seen some people with them. How do people get them? It's essentially like the blue check mark, except not one that you pay for. I know that blue check marks have been super diluted at this point, but essentially it's more credibility, right? It's more social proof that you are an expert or a leading voice in your industry. And so what LinkedIn started doing is they started rolling out these collaborative features. So these collaborative wikis are a feature where anybody can contribute to these AI written articles that already exist. And you can just choose a topic in your niche or a topic that you can speak to very confidently or very easily. And there are literally hundreds, if not thousands, I'm sure, topics to choose from. You could choose public speaking. You could choose audio editing. You could choose project management. And I'll put a link in the description for the library of collaborative articles but it's fascinating because once you pick one, let's go with public speaking, you'd go into the collaborative wiki articles. There are so many there. They're really basic. They're AI generated. And what they're looking to do is they're looking to have more people contribute and to add context to the really general statements. So one for public speaking could be, how do you build a portfolio for public speaking? And they might have maybe like a four-step breakdown. 
And then what you can do is you can comment and leave your two cents. You might say, hey, for portfolios, I use this platform. I recommend this or here's some good advice or a best practice about this subject. And the way that it's set up is that LinkedIn kind of adds you into the running for being a top voice once you contribute to three or more articles. So I took it upon myself to make it a challenge for the month of January. So scroll through, find a subject. I chose creator economy. I have a lot to say about that. So every, almost every day, I would say maybe every other day, I would go and check the creator economy wiki. There's new articles that pop up all the time. And I would leave my two cents. Like some articles asked about tools and platforms and I'm sharing newsletters that I like to read. And these are things that are already in my ecosystem, things I already share and post. So you can almost repurpose things you already say or know. And over the course of a month, I could see that I was climbing in the ranks as a top voice. First, I contributed to the three articles to be in the running. Then I became maybe in the top 50% of people on LinkedIn who contribute to creator economy articles. And then, you know, I moved up in the ranks and next thing you know is that you're in the top 20%, you're in the top 15%, you're in the top 10%. And after 30 days, after the course of a month, and me contributing, just making it a habit every morning or every other morning. Let me just check. Let me leave my two cents. After all that, I was then given a top voice in the creator economy badge on my page. So if anybody was trying to do this, I would definitely think about what you want to be known for or what you want to align yourself with. And then I committed to doing that at least three times a week, but I think I might have done it four or so. Not that you have to do it and have it in a month, but that was my tester. And that is one way that you can get a badge. That is something that you can leverage for more of your original content. I even saved some of the responses that I contributed on those articles to repurpose into more. Because I said, you know what? I There's a lot of information I have floating around in my head about creating that I hadn't even thought to share until these articles kind of prompted me. I do want to say if anybody needs help or anybody wants to talk about branding themselves on LinkedIn, we do offer a LinkedIn branding session. I will also put that link in our um, show notes because it's sometimes it's so much easier to have the accountability, do it together. But LinkedIn, again, I'm loving it. I think it's a great place to really um, see momentum. And the more you post, the more you engage. I'm really starting to see the traction and the opportunities coming directly my way. Big, big thank you to everybody who came out to our event last week on LinkedIn Live. We did our PR and media relationships discussion. It was basically an open discussion and it was amazing. We had Brandy from Branding PR, Amanda Saman, Reagan Farley, Deja from the Credo Group, And we just kind of got together to have this open discussion. We had been talking about doing this for so long to start the year off, just trying to figure out how we can support each other with all these changes, with the layoffs, with the strikes, with AI. Our industry has just shifted incredibly. And publicists and PR folks rely on journalists and journalists rely on PR folks. And I feel like there's been this huge disconnect with everything going on. So I just thought we would come bring it to the red table And I just appreciate everyone who came out. I'm so sorry that there's not 
a recap available. I want to reiterate, this is my first LinkedIn live event. I was thinking that there would be some sort of recording, but I'm going to just recap a lot of the conversation right on here for you guys. But let's start off with the fact that LinkedIn audio, I really do like it. I would just record it myself next time. It's very reminiscent of Twitter spaces if you haven't used it, where you can just kind of, you know, of course you're not on camera, it's audio only, and you're bringing people as panelists on there, but you can also like invite people to the stage to have an open discussion. It's almost reminiscent also to Clubhouse, which I know was a guilty pleasure of many during the pandemic. So if you've done any of those, then you're familiar with LinkedIn audio. So the topics at hand, we had to address the elephant in the room, which was the recent media layoffs, right? Like Condé Nast with the strikes, Business Insider has laid off 8% of its staff. LA Times cut 20% of its staff. Time Magazine cut 15% of its staff. Pitchfork has folded into GQ. The Messenger has evaporated on top of New York Daily News and NBC News and a Forbes newsroom and National Geographic. Media is under attack. And a lot of it begs the question, is it AI? So we had to address the elephant in the room on like what it means and wanted to kind of invite some journalists to come up and talk about their experiences. Of course, I had to ask, what do we feel about AI? That's also the big topic that led us into this discussion on ethics, expectations, what our reservations are, and what this meant for the future of PR and journalism. But then there's the flip side of the group that said, no, we are utilizing AI. Like we are teaching our clients ethics when it comes to AI. It's not replacing anything. It's only helping us. And one example is, you know, publicists are using AI and chat GPT to help generate ideas rather than write for them, of course, right? Because as PR people, we are writers. So we know how to write. Sometimes you just need something to get started. So they just talked a lot about using it to generate ideas and help them kind of form some sort of draft for certain things, but then really using their own skill sets to, of course, edit, make it their own. And then adding this component of sharing with their clients how these chats and AI tools should be used, which is so important. It was shared that, you know, one of the girls had a client who wanted a press release and ended up being like, hey, listen, like I got you started. I put something into chat GPT. Here it is. I started laughing and I'm so sorry. Like, I know that it seems like, why wouldn't you do that? But one thing is that these AI bots don't understand the same format or tone that needs to come across for these types of press materials. You could, yeah, you could have a chat box generate a press release for you guarantee it's not going to have the things that a publicist would know to put into it because these chats are only as good as what you put into it. So you could put in the information, but I guarantee you a lot of them are like books and no journalist is reading all that. So it was just a conversation about what it could look like to use these features, but use them ethically, not being afraid of them, knowing that this is the future. And so we have to kind of get ahead of these things, but also kind of warning people about, you know, what could be detrimental to their brand if they're really relying on this. And again, with the journalists, the fear of 
chat GPT and AI and, you know, companies using that to run their publications. It's very real, very valid, I feel, for writers because of that. But no AI can do what we do. It's robotic. Writing is an art form and there's a certain voice that comes with it and that cannot be duplicated. It cannot be replicated. It's very obvious when you're getting material that just went straight through a chatbot. And same with any media professional, publicists especially, nothing can do what we do. These things are tools and I think it can make our work get done a little faster, give us a hand, but it's not going to replace people. No matter how hard people try, I could see the pendulum swinging right back the other way, realizing that you're not getting the quality that you think you're getting with these with these tools. So lastly, in this discussion, we talked about nurturing the long-term connections. Like, what are we doing? I think a lot of what we've done in our industry has been online, social media, but some of the publicists in the discussion talked about how they still go out of their way to really nurture these relationships, really take time to say, hey, I want to sit down with you. You know, we're out of the pan out of the pandemic, quote unquote. And so we're able to connect in person again and kind of bringing back the recipes that have kind of been lost, which is just like real human connection and forming real relationships rather than just pitching journalists when we need something. Because our network is so important. It's something that we get hired based on like, you know, who we know and who we already have trust and credibility established with. So one tip I loved is that I think it was Reagan who had mentioned that she shares e-gift cards for, you know, virtual coffee chat. So she might schedule a coffee chat with the journalist, send them like, you know, $20, $10 gift card, whatever it might be to, you know, have them grab a cup of coffee. And it's the gesture, of course, just to be able to show that like, hey, you know, even if we can't meet in person, this is something that I want to do that is making this worth your time and also just genuinely just to get to know you, what you write about, what you do. And it's just so important not to just check in when you need something. This in any business relationship, right? Like a lot of times things can feel super transactional, but I think the smartest approach is to come into a relationship thinking about what you could do to connect with somebody when you don't need anything. That's life advice. That's advice for friends, That's advice for anybody you work with. Think about how you can make genuine connections. It was a great conversation. I really want to do it again. I'm trying to shake down LinkedIn for the recording so I can have more content for you guys. But I will definitely, you know, keep everyone posted on future events that we do, especially on these topics that I think could be really useful to people. That's all I have for you guys today. I'm really looking forward to some upcoming interviews in the second season of Main Character Energy. Until then, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Main Character Energy. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating or a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow on social at Tiff or Die and Main Character Energy Pod to access exclusive content and get a behind the scenes look as well as resources to help you become that bitch. See you next week.